0: The Legal Toolkit with Jared Korea, with guest Ryan Anderson. We play the Magnificent Andersons, and then, since this is supposedly a tech show, we catch you up on the hot tech issues. This week, Betamax versus VHS: Who will reign supreme? But first, your host Jared Korea.
1: It's time for the Legal Toolkit podcast. And yes, it's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though I've never actually used a right angle flex shaft. I'm your host, Jared Korea. You're stuck with me because Elizabeth Banks was unavailable. She's been working on some shit, as you'll hear more about in a second, and also hosting a reboot of the most underrated game show ever, Press Your Luck. No whammies, no whammies. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software, Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads and conversational document assembly tools so law firms can build documents faster and more accurately. You can find out more about Gideon at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview today with FileVine CEO Ryan Anderson, let's talk about the 2023 Best Picture winner at the Oscars. You might be asking yourself, I wonder what Jared is going to be doing on February 24th, 2023. You're probably not alone in asking that question, honestly. So let me tell you, I'll be at opening night of Cocaine Bear. Yes, it's true. Just as I was lamenting the lack of quality R-rated comedy films, but a few short weeks ago, here comes, wandering into my life, Cocaine Bear which appears to be an R-rated comedy horror film. Cocaine Bear. He's the hero we need, but not the one we deserve. So there's a lot to unpack here, literally. Let's start with the story of Cocaine Bear. He was a real bear. That's right, this shit is based on a true story. So this drug dealer was flying over a forest in Georgia, and he had too much cocaine in his plane. I mean, how many times has that happened to you, am I right? And he parachuted out of the plane only he was still carrying too much cocaine, this time on his person. Uh, He hit the ground too hard and died, leaving the cocaine spread all over the forest floor. Now, here's Cocaine Bear, not yet Cocaine Bear, just chilling out in the forest back in the Alcyon days of 1985, and this high-grade coke just literally falls into his lap. So he tries some, and he dies of a drug overdose. The authorities find that the bear is dead, amongst the cocaine, like fucking Scarface, only in the woods. So it turns out Cocaine Bear did about five grams of cocaine all by himself. That's kind of a lot for a single biological entity, I'm assuming, because I've obviously never done cocaine. But that's the whole story. Nobody knows what Cocaine Bear actually did while he was tripping balls out there in the forest. Well, I guess that's not the entire story. Cocaine Bear is now stuffed... And his taxidermied hide is in Lexington, Kentucky. It's something called the Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall. Don't know what the fuck that's about. Shitty way to go. Resigned to being stuck in a mall forever. Don't do drugs, kids. Now, naturally, Cocaine Bear, the movie, takes some poetic license with this story. Because the movie would be kind of boring if it was just about a bear dying alone in the woods of a cocaine overdose. So, of course, in the film, Cocaine Bear goes crazy and runs off on a cocaine-fueled killing rampage. Now, at that point, I'm already in. But the movie's also directed by Elizabeth Banks, who's funny. So now I'm in further. Oh, and by the way, this is Ray Liotta's last film role. I always wondered how Henry Hill would have fared against a cocaine-addled apex predator. Now I know. Fucking Ray Liotta, man. Always saving the best for last. Let's do a trailer breakdown. Movie opens with an ambulance pulling up to a cabin in the woods. Inside, the whole place has been destroyed and someone appears to be dead. Paramedic opens the closet. Oops, there's a bear waltzing out of the darkness. And it's coked up beyond belief. A chase ensues. Backstory, authorities looking for missing cocaine. Parents looking for missing kids. Missing kids find cocaine. Ray Liotta. Drug kingpin. Shot of cocaine bear ingesting a metric shit ton of cocaine. Way more than five grams. Bemused henchmen, new hand solo, and Ice Cube Jr. Wonder what sort of effect housing all of that cocaine will have on cocaine bear? Well, I have an idea. Ray Liotta seems surprised that a bear would do cocaine. Like he hasn't seen that before. Kids are found. They're hiding in the tree. Because bears can't climb trees. No wait, they can. And coked-up bears can climb trees like a motherfucker, apparently. Cocaine Bear is coming after this kid, but hauls ass up another tree because this guy on that tree has cocaine on his body. And Cocaine Bear is fiending for the white horse. Kerry Russell, astonished by Cocaine Bear's agility. Next, Cocaine Bear is seen licking cocaine off a severed leg. Now, Cocaine Bear is chasing after an ambulance containing an injured forest ranger and the paramedics from the first scene who are obviously scared shitless. And here's Cocaine Bear leaping at a full sprint, like 15 feet in the air, into the open doors of the ambulance like a fucking earth sign Roy Tarpley, and scene. Well, not exactly. Cocaine Bear is next scene humping a tree, rather vigorously, and trying to get some privacy. But these two hikers stumble upon him, and of course he's on them like a fly on shit maybe he thought they had some coke. Okay, I've seen enough. Take all my money. Now, I don't know how you follow that up, but here's Joshua Lennon, executive producer of Mess Squirrel, with this week's edition of the Clio Legal
0: Trends Report Minute. Today, fewer than 30% of lawyers work exclusively from an office, and 49% say they prefer to work from home. I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio, and this is just one finding from our recent Legal Trends Report. As legal professionals embrace more flexibility in where they work, the boundaries between professional and personal life have blurred. Today's lawyers need the tools and resources that can help them stay connected to their work, no matter where they are, while also helping them disconnect when they need to. Learn how cloud technology can help lawyers balance work and life by downloading Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at Clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C L I O dot com trends. Okay, let's get
1: to the meat in the middle of this legal tech sandwich. Today's meat is pastrami, and I still love the pastrami sandwiches at Sam Grasse's in downtown Boston, even though I haven't been there in ages. Okay, I'll stop digressing. It's time to interview our guest. My guest today is uh, Ryan Anderson, who's the founder and CEO of FileVine. Which I would call a leading case management software company for lawyers. Ryan, I'm sure you agree. How are you doing, sir?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're missing the leading case management <laughs> <over> software for <lawyers.
1: laughs> oh, I teed you up for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks for coming on today. It's been a long time since we've had you on been on show. It has time. almost like 10 years. Oh, I feel gosh, bad about that. I don't that.
2: think it's been that long. I think it was 2015. Okay. But it, but okay, it has good, been good, a minute good. for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad to have you back on. Want to do like a wide-ranging conversation about what you're up to, what FileVine's doing and then we'll get into the rump roast, which is really why I do this. Um, (laughs) All right, so I I know a lot of people out there know you, but not everybody does. So let me ask you like the founder story, right? Like, why did you start FileVine? Why did you get into the case management software game when you did, when there were already some established players? Like, how'd that come about?
2: Yeah, so I practiced law for about seven years. And as a lawyer, I found that there really wasn't good what I would call project management software that was sort of built around the needs of lawyers. In particular, when I would attempt to make assignments to my team, it always felt like I had trouble with, when I went to follow up with them, there was, wait a sec, you didn't tell me to do that, or I didn't know what the due date was, or what was the priority on that. So I set about to find something that could help with that. And I looked at sort of all the players that were available at that time. Mm -hmm. Frankly, none of them did that thing. There mm-hmm. was there was a lot of software out there that held kind of libraries of information or held your documents or might help you run a conflict check, but none of them were really focused around what I thought was the most important work, which was the back and forth communication that lawyers engage in between partners, yeah, right. between associates, between paralegals. And so I really wanted to solve that particular thing, and that birth file. Line.
1: So sort of like
2: communications centric yeah. platform. Yep. That's exactly or right. More project
1: management. Yeah, that's Correct. really cool. So. You mentioned this, you ran a law firm before FileVine. So I'm, I'm always interested. I want to explore this a little bit. You talked a little bit about how that informed how you built and managed FileVine. I'm not yeah. surprised to hear that. I knew that a little bit. Now, as somebody who's like a lawyer and also running a law practice software company, like how do you make the call to move out of law practice and do something like this? Full time. Like, how do you make that transition? And, and, nah. and are you still making it? Are you like involved in the law firm at all from time yeah. to time? Yeah,
2: I mean, I I get asked that a lot, and I guess my answer to the question is like, I don't know that I ever sat down and I said, okay, like this is the day. I mean, <laughs> I'm not practicing
1: well, law anymore. Today. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I did tell folks, hey, I'm going to do there was a trial I think in 2016, and I kind of said, okay, like mentally this is my last trial. I'm never going to do another trial after this. So there there was that, but there wasn't a particular day when I said, okay, I'm never going to be a lawyer again. And, you know, I get asked a lot about sort of this notion of risk of like, oh my gosh, you're moving from being a lawyer to being an entrepreneur. And and don't you worry about the risk involved in that? And my answer is always like, well, wait a second. Like (laughs) it's not as if, my ability to be a lawyer goes away the day i started a tech company <laughs> right I, i'm quite certain i could get hired as a lawyer today now maybe maybe i wouldn't get paid as much right uh, <laughs> but if i went and applied at a, at a at a law firm or a series of law firms i'm pretty sure i could get a job even if this I file
1: suspect I that you would yeah
2: <laughs> i suspect that i would and so to me, the risk didn't seem all that severe. And so my encouragement to anybody thinking through this is, you know, think through the downside. And I think you'll find that it's actually not all that much more significant than if you didn't do it at all. So, yeah. I mean, the other thing I'll just mention is it is hard, right? Being an entrepreneur is harder. There's a lot more unknown. And so if you're sure. kind of afraid of waking up in the morning and thinking, gosh, what are all the things that need to happen today? I don't actually know all the answers. That is different. <laughs> That's substantively different than being a lawyer. Yeah.
1: There's like no precedent, really, right. in a lot of exactly. cases. Yep. I think that's really interesting that you look at it that way. And it's funny because uh, lawyers are like the most risk-averse people in the world because their whole job is like figuring out risk profiles for everyone else and solving for them.
2: Right, right. <laughs> It's really hard totally. for
1: you to look at an endeavor and be like, not seeing all the negatives. <laughs> that's that.
2: exactly right. That's exactly right.
1: I want to segue off of this a little bit. So like there are a bunch of legal tech companies out there now. The legal tech industry keeps growing like by the day, by the hour. And then some of these companies are founded by lawyers and then I hate this term, but we're just going to use it for clarification. Some of these companies are founded by non-lawyers. So mm. as somebody who's an attorney who built a legal tech company, do you view yourself as running that organization differently than if you didn't have that legal experience?
2: I think it's really hard to found a legal tech company without being a lawyer. Now, that is mm. an unpopular opinion. <laughs> That's all right. Let's yeah, run with it. Yeah, I, I just think... If we're being honest, to start a company, I really like sort of the line out of uh, Silicon Valley. I think Peter Thiel sort of made it famous, which is you should be able to have an answer to the contrarian question of what do I believe that most people don't believe? Yeah. And 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 that's, that's actually a really hard question to answer. And mm-hmm. so you know, what I would say is like a lawyer has a key insight. A lawyer has an ability to come up on a secret about what they may believe about the world that they think is true, that a whole bunch of people won't know about. And so when I walk into a product meeting, to this day, you know, coming up on not quite eight years, but you know, seven years after we launched Filevine, I yeah. can still say, hold on, wait a second. That's actually not how this works. Uh, right. I'm missing some key steps. And you know, oftentimes the product gets reworked based on you know, something that I saw in a design session with one of our UI folks. And Mm. sometimes it's like a critical component. Now, you know, my team might say, yeah, Ryan's always driving us crazy. I wish they'd just let us do our (laughs) job. And so, so maybe I'm adding no value at all. But I, you know, if I'm being honest, I think, I think that I am. And I think that sort of deep industry expertise is really hard to replicate. What I would say is, we find that the best people at File Find, not the best people, but some of our best people. Obviously, we have mm-hmm. we have great people who who didn't have prior uh legal or oh, yeah. tech experience. Yeah. Uh, many, many, many people. Um, <laughs> but boy, if you have law firm experience and you have an entrepreneurial mindset or some technical capabilities basically just drop me a resume, we wanna hire you. Because those yeah. folks tend to do so well at this company. Mm. You look across any sort of list of kind of five Filevine rock stars, and you just see it populated by a bunch of people who have both legal experience and a, some tech prowess, or at least sort of an entrepreneurial bent. And right. I do find that, that those sort of Venn diagrams coming up on each other, where they overlap, you really do find some magical people who can progress the business in really interesting ways.
1: You've been very kind to answer questions about yourself. Um, You're a super (laughs) successful guy, but also I know you're a modest dude. So let's talk about FileVine now, the product. Phenomenal. (laughs) So I think you guys have done a really nice job, and I tell people this all the time, about focusing on the product and not the outside noise and like Mm. building valuable features into the system. And that's not necessarily true of every technology company, right? So like,
2: how do you maintain a focus like that across your organization? So I'll say another controversial thing. I think that's really hard to do when, and it's not impossible, there are examples of this happening, but when a founder leaves a company, I do mm-hmm. think there's a bit of an entrepreneurial spark that goes with it, right? There's oh, sure, there's yeah. a reason founders start companies that is above and beyond any sort of monetary benefit. And that certainly was the case for me. I deeply wanted to see some of these problems solved for myself, yeah. but also I, I took great gratification and seeing them solve for others. And so, I look, it's not all about me, of course, you're 100% right, but I do think that because I care so much about solving problems for our customers, that sort of gets infused into the entire business. Um, yeah. Nothing drives me crazier than a customer saying, this doesn't meet my needs. Oh my gosh, that's like nails <laughs> on a chalkboard. <laughs> that's not a world I wanna live in, right? And so, you know, but but honestly, it may even hold us back sometimes. You know, a professional CEO might say, well, look, I'm just gonna ruthlessly tell this customer that that's just not the business we're involved in, and that may be the economically correct decision. But for me, like, gosh, getting the customer what they need to solve their problem, that's what drives me. And so I do think I tend to hire people that have that same intensity around solving mm. customer problems. That, makes sense. that and and we just really have fallen in love with our community. Mm. Obviously, I've always really loved the community. Yeah. But there is no more fun thing than to take somebody who hasn't come up in legal tech and take them to a conference. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a FileVine event. Maybe it's it's Lex, right. or maybe it's a conference where our customers are there and they stop by the booth and the customers say, oh my gosh, we love FileVine. We can't live without it. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. <laughs> and actually having that experience as somebody who, who hadn't known the customer base before, our team members, they just light up and they get addicted to that feeling. So I think that's part of it too. It's just sort of a relentless obsession with- yeah. Always
1: chasing that high.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. I think that's what it is. All
1: right. So let's talk about a couple of specific things you've done recently. So you acquired Docket, which is a CRM, and Outlaw, kind of a contract management software. You're kind of building it out to be more of like a document management tool as well. And that's been one way to expand your products. So like, how do you, because everybody's trying to build like sort of an operating system for legal where they have as many features as they can in the product. How do you make decisions about which products to target? and when to pull the trigger to make an acquisition. So that's a big deal.
2: Yeah, it is a big deal. So two things. I think it's good to be strategic and have a thesis on what the industry is going to look like in a few years and execute on that thesis by yeah. way of either product development or acquisition. And it's also good to be opportunistic. And when opportunities come along that look interesting, take advantage of them. And so I can tell you, Lead Docket looked a little bit more like the latter, and Outlaw looked a little bit more like the former. On, oh, interesting. On, yeah. yeah. On Outlaw, we really had a strategic belief around what the future of documents in law is going to look like. As you know, we recently released .vine. And oh man, let's
1: let's tease
2: that because I want I want to talk about <laughs> Dot Vine, but later. I'd everybody hang around for that. Fair Go enough. Ahead. Fair enough. Well, I would love <laughs> to talk about Dot Vine.
1: Great, but great. That
2: very much came out of a thesis I had, and quite frankly, I need to give a lot of credit to Kane Elliott and our head of product Michael oh. Anderson, who happens to Kane's be my brother. Great. Kane is great. Kane is mm-hmm. great. And, and and you know, there's a lot of people at File who deserve so much credit and who do so much more than me. But I'll. I'll just say like the three of us really had a a firm belief that the way the documents were going to work in legal was going to be different 10 years from now. And we had some very specific beliefs Mm. about how that was gonna happen. And we didn't see anybody doing it. And so that was what spurred the outlaw acquisition. On the lead docket side, frankly, we just had a ton of customers who were coming to us saying, hey, we need a lead docket integration. And then they stopped coming to us. And saying anything, because because it turns out Lead Docket went and built the integration, and uh, yeah. we didn't even know. Yeah. And so so I asked some of those customers, I said, oh, well, you know, what happened? Were you able to integrate with Lead Docket? Did you not go with it? And they said, oh, no, you know, Lead Docket did it, and it's great, and we love it. So that spurred an initial conversation with me and Mm -hmm. some of the founding team and uh we were able to come together a few months after our initial conversations and boy what a great product what a great team just a special call out to eric kaufman if he's listening to Mm -hmm. this another mission driven founder and so are the outlaw folks too i should say but but eric kaufman is a mission driven founder who just deeply cares about the customers and has built the product that has, I don't know if I should say these kinds of things, but I sort of can't help myself. Go ahead, it, go we, ahead. We let, look it, at M- let it fly. Yeah, yeah. We look at MPS scores right across all of our products and LeadDocket has the highest MPS score of any product in the Fileline suite, including oh, FileVine awesome. Core, the product we built. So huh. it's just a beloved product and for good reason, it's amazing.
1: Huh. That's super interesting. I'm glad I picked two that you acquired for different reasons. That was <laughs> helpful. All right, I only got two more questions for you. We're going to get to Dot .vine. But before we do that, one of the things that I think is really interesting is like, there's this crazy good sales culture out in Utah. In there particular. is. Yeah. P- partly because of the influence of probably like the Mormon stuff and, you know, knocking on everybody's doors. It's like, you're located in Utah. So what's it like being in that environment? Does that help you to raise your game within your company? We see all these other companies like really executing on sales at a high level.
2: Oh, totally. Totally. And look, salespeople are competitive. I'm a bit competitive and (laughs) there is no doubt about it. When you see a bunch of companies around you that are successful, you want to be just as successful as they are. So it does help you raise your game from sort of a competitive emotional standpoint, but also like the ecosystem is just incredible. I mean, there's just not that many places on planet earth where every day new sales leaders are getting minted in hundreds of companies within a relatively right. small area and right. and those people might wind up working for us and so that's just incredibly valuable and you know hopefully we've done some of the same you know there's yeah. been some great people who've come and gone through the five sales team and gosh some of them i just think any company that hires some of these folks they're just so lucky not not because they've had the chance to work for five but five mine had the chance to to work with them and see them grow and mature. And if that meant that they needed to leave us and go work at another great company, that that's totally mm-hmm. fine. And gosh, some of those people are just really amazing. And I've, I've kept in touch with them and really look up to them.
1: Nice to be able to find high quality talent within like a couple square miles. That's right. <laughs> it's awesome. All right. Well, what we've been waiting for, dot Vine. So for folks who don't know, you guys have developed a proprietary yeah. document format, which kind of makes sense, given like the conversation we just had about Outlaw. But as you probably know, there's also been some consternation about this online.
2: (laughs) I was was looking at an
1: article that uh, Bob Mambrogi wrote the other day, and one of his headers was misguided idea. So there's that. What an asshole, right? So, like, (laughs) I mean, what, like, can you talk about, like, what Dot Vine is and then talk about, like, your thesis for pushing this out? Because I I think it's really interesting. It's an interesting play for sure.
2: I think you're being too kind and... and Bob is great, but let's be clear. <laughs> he he said we were and I'm quoting hallucinatory. So
1: He <laughs> pulled a better quote than me. That's on me. All yeah. right. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> uh, look. I would rather be what what he calls hallucinatory, I'll call visionary. I would rather be visionary okay. and envision yeah. a world where we are not encumbered by a platform that's been around for 40 years that wasn't built for us than to simply succumb to the idea that every new product is going to spend massive amounts of time and resources, not only integrating with Word, but continuing to deal with the Byzantine and ever-changing API ecosystem around Word. You ask a developer who's had to develop something for Word, they will tell you it's a challenge. I'll be yeah. a bit controversial here. The Ironclad CEO actually remarked about DotVine. Uh, on Twitter, and, you know, in sort of a kind of a negative way. And yeah. his note was, hey, um, you know, we spent the past three years building interoperability with with Word. Well, that's mm. fine. And and by the way, I'm sure it's fantastic. And I'm sure it wins them a lot of deals. Yeah, and it should, because yeah. everyone uses Word. And so it's, it's probably a great business move. But the yeah. question is, like, is that the world we want to be in where any startup that wants to have a really good experience for those who are drafting legal documents has to spend three years and probably millions, if not tens of millions of dollars of venture yeah. capital money, building integrations into Word. And by the way, it won't end. Word is going right. to change. Microsoft is going to make improvements and updates to Word as they should. Mm-hmm. That's what any company mm-hmm. would do. And when they do, those APIs will change. And so yet again, that team will have to dig in and fix those changes and make them better. So it's just, it's it's hard. It's a slog. And- yeah. The outlaw guys, Evan and Dan, did something that is really gutsy and that you just don't see. There's a crowded CLM space.
0: Everybody's
2: rotating around Word like it's the sun. And these Mm -hmm. guys said, hey, wait a second. Let's start with a beginner's mindset. If we were going to build a CLM and Word didn't exist in the world, what would we do? How would we build it? And so they started from fundamental first principles and they said, actually, we would build our own document system, our own document format. And so they did. And I find it incredibly visionary, interesting novel that these guys would do that. And they did. And, you know, Evan's actually put up a piece about how long it took him to do this. Uh, this is like a 20 year <laughs> journey for Evan. Oh wow! And yeah, it's, it's really incredible. And so I, I just find it awesome. That somebody was willing to go out and make that happen, and so when we saw Outlaw for the first time, I can tell you, you know, my mind was just blown. I thought, oh my goodness, like, why in the world would you want to operate in anything but this? Why would you want to draft yeah. legal documents yeah. in anything but something like this? And look, it, it's not perfect, right? It doesn't obviously it doesn't do everything Word has done. That's a one of the biggest well, companies in the world. It's high bar. It was, yeah. yeah, I mean, my <laughs> goodness. I'm not, We're not going to meet them feature for feature today. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of things Outlaw does and .vine does that are significantly better than I think the experience is hmm. in Word. So yeah, we're going for it. We fully believe in this uh, model. And frankly, we've already had some interest from other companies who want to integrate with .vine and it'll be oh, an open cool. protocol. Anybody will be able to huh. use it and we think they should.
1: Good for you, man. It's baller. I love it. Like, why not? And then um, the fact that you, as the CEO of the company, were able to support these guys in a project that they were working on for a long time—that's great too. And now, yeah, it's always a, it's always an evolving thing. But we'll see what the adoption and what the community thinks of it. But uh, kudos to you. Hey, oh, thank you. Now I think I think I'm prob- Bob and I are going to have lunch in a couple of weeks. I think I am now probably going to have to pay for lunch, but that's all right. I'll do it for you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. You were great as always. Oh, good. can you hang around yes. for the last
2: segment? Of course. Absolutely.
1: All right. So we're going to take one final sponsor break, everybody. So you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. <laughs> what you may not know is the way that your law firm bills clients may directly impact whether they hire you in the first place. It's true. That's why I've got Joshua Lennon from Clio. He's a lawyer in residence over there to talk to me about this subject. Joshua, go
0: ahead, expound. Yeah, 70% of clients are telling us they want to pay via payment plans. And while hourly rates are the most common fee structure offered by law firms, clients are telling us 67% that they want the option to pay for legal services via flat fees. Wow. So what should lawyers do? Well, only 37% of law firms actually offer flat fees on any legal matter. So if you want to stand out, start offering flat fees.
1: Thanks Joshua. To
0: learn more about the
1: billing preferences of today's legal clients, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com/trends. That's clio spelled c l i o.com/trends. <laughs> Partner with rankings.io. The marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit Rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Visit com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. Docub will be with you every step of the way. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are again at the rear end of the legal toolkit. We call it the rump roast. It's a grab bag of short form topics. All of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. Ryan, thanks for coming back. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We did the legal talk. Now we're going to do something entirely different. So today we're going to play a game. I'm calling the Magnificent Andersons, <laughs> and for the first time ever, it's a two parter. So I don't know if you know this, but I had Eric Bermudez on the podcast on your team. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, <laughs> good for a you. A couple, a couple, a uh, couple months back, Eric's a great dude. I love. He Eric. is a great dude. He's hilarious. He's the best. And so what I found was that they were like, probably. Seven hundred Eric Bermudezes online. <laughs> so <laughs> we went down the list of Eric Bermudez's and I asked him to rank himself against these other people. Okay. Now, as you might imagine, there's also a lot of Ryan Andersons online. Oh my goodness! As well,
2: there were three or so, four at my high school. So yeah. Really? No. Yeah. No way. I three think there were at least. Four? I think there were at least three. Yeah.
1: Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So. Segment one, we're going to talk about some other Ryan Andersons, and I'd like you to rank yourself in the list of Ryan Andersons. Where (laughs) would you be? You're a successful guy. Where would you be with the other Ryan Andersons? How are you doing? How are you keeping up with the Joneses or the Andersons in this case? And then we're going to do a little trivia segment in which I'm going to ask you to choose between famous Andersons or Ryans. Okay. I'm I'm all in. I don't do this for just anybody. (laughs) Here's just a smattering of Ryan Andersons I found online. There are actually two Ryan Andersons who have played in the NBA, at least two. Wow. One guy was the 21st overall pick in the 2008 draft by the Nets and the Magic. And I think he's still playing right now, maybe for the Rockets. Mm. Another Ryan Anderson in the NBA played for Xavier University and also went to Boston College. And then there's also a Ryan Anderson in the NFL, believe it or not. Wow. He is a linebacker or was a linebacker for the Washington Commanders. And then there's even a Ryan Anderson playing Major League Baseball. He's in the Yankees farm system right now. Uh, Round 12 pick. So let's start with the sports-related Ryan Andersons because there's another category of Ryan Andersons I would like to get to. How would you rank yourself among the Ryan Andersons? Or alternatively, if you could be a (laughs) Ryan Anderson playing a sport, which sport would you play? Basketball? Uh, Football? Baseball?
2: Undoubtedly, I'd play football.
1: Really? Football. Now, did you play I, I, or?
2: I I played Pee Wee League football and oh. uh, I was the second best safety on the team. So, um, oh, that's yeah. pretty good.
1: <laughs> well, two safeties starting, right? Free safety and strong safety. You're one of those.
2: Uh, yeah, strong safety. Um, I love playing football with my two boys. We love watching football together. So, football, definitely.
1: Okay. Now, there's another option if you wanted to subsume the identity of another Ryan Anderson. There are actually a lot of Ryan Andersons who are college professors. Did you know this? I did not know this. Okay, so let me give you some more choices, and um, you can tell me which Ryan Anderson you'd purport to be. So there's a Ryan Anderson who's at Santa Clara University, who is a cultural and environmental anthropologist. Sounds pretty interesting. Works in Baja, California, in Mexico. There's a Ryan Anderson who works at the University of North Carolina, and he has his bachelor's in social science education, and has written a couple books. He works on uh, advertising, gender, and race. And then lastly, we got a Ryan Anderson local to me at Berkeley College, who's the director of housing and residential education. So if you could be one of these Ryan Andersons, would you be the anthropologist, the music school housing director, or the social science professor?
2: Without a doubt, it would be the anthropologist. I'll trade him straight up, same salary, whole deal, as long as I get to live in Baja, California. I'm sitting here on a very cold day in November in Sugar House, Salt Lake City, Utah, and its I want to get the heck out of here, so I would love to be in Baja right now.
1: <laughs> I'm learning so much about you. This is delightful. There's also a Ryan Anderson, who's a lawyer in Orange County, but you know that's warm also, but I think we already know your answer to that, because here you are, having <laughs> left the law practice and started a tech company. All right, let's go to that's portion hard. number two. I got some trivia for you. Now, I want to see how you perform. I'm going to give you five questions. We'll grade you. So, we're going to do famous Ryan's, famous Andersons. First question. We'll start off with an easy one. This Ryan starred in the movie The Notebook. Do you need multiple choice or do you know this Ryan?
2: I saw the notebook. Mm. But I didn't I was, know.
1: It. I was actually trying to get you to admit that you saw the notebook. No, no, just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so ready? Ryan Gosling, oh, Meg Gosling, Ryan, of course. Ryan Gosling. Um, all, right, all right, all right, all right. We went one for one, one for one. All right, next. This Ryan threw seven no hitters in his career. Nolan Ryan, beautiful two for two. All right, now it's going to now it's going to get a little harder. This Anderson, the Anderson grouping is harder than the Ryan grouping. I don't know why I did it that way. This Anderson made her London theater debut in 1938 at the Windmill Theater. I know you probably know this off the top of your head. Right. Is it Daphne Anderson, Jessica Anderson, or Pamela Anderson? <laughs> I told you they get tougher.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go with Daphne. I think the name is era appropriate. So
1: You are correct, sir. Well done. Look at you, man. You still got those lawyer skills, figuring <laughs> out, using the context clues. All right, I got two more. I think you might be able to sweep the category. You'd be one of the very few people who've swept trivia. Okay. This Anderson was Scully on the X-Files. Ivy Anderson, Lindsay Anderson, or Jillian Anderson? Jillian. Beautiful. I met Chris Carter of the X-Files a couple months ago. Really interesting dude. My wife is is a huge X-Files fan. She made me put this in. Okay, last question. This Anderson is Jethro Tull. Anderson Cooper, Ian Anderson, or Hugh Anderson? Hugh. Oh.
2: We were so close. Hey, oh, I was so close. Right, right at the Days. end. And, and I said it with so much confidence, too.
1: I know. I almost was like, <laughs> yes. Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson is the guy right. behind Jeff Thorstel. All right, Ryan, beautiful work here. I learned that you in another life would want to be an anthropologist and an NFL safety. And then you <laughs> crushed it in trivia. Four or five, 80%, nothing to sneeze at. Thanks so much for coming on. This was a blast.
2: Oh, thank you, Jared. It's always good talking to you, man.
1: Thanks. Take it easy. Bye, guys. If you want to find out more about Ryan Anderson and Filevine, visit Filevine.com. That's F-I-L-E-V-I-N.com. All one word. Filevine.com. Now, for those of you listening in Balls Ferry, Georgia, I've got a hell of a playlist for you because cocaine is a hell of a drug. This week, I've got signs about bears and cocaine. Don't think I have enough songs about beers and cocaine to make a full playlist? Think again. I've run out of time here, so I won't be able to address the ongoing controversy surrounding the Betamax versus VHS debate. But next week, we'll take up a discussion about Blu-rays. This is Jared Korea reminding you that that's not your turkey sandwich, Rob. It's probably cocaine beers.